Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I am really looking forward to today's episode where we're going to talk all about business finances 101. Now, this is a topic that I love learning about myself. I love talking about with my clients, but I only know a little bit about it. So that's why I want to reach out to Grow CPA and specifically Martina and have her come on and talk all about business finances. So let me tell you a little bit more about Martina. Martina Morton is a chartered professional accountant and co-founder of Grow CPA, a wife and mother of three and an avid runner. Grow CPA is a virtual accounting firm providing accounting services and educational products and courses to Canadian business owners. They're particularly passionate about working with purpose-driven entrepreneurs to empower them to grow thriving businesses, build wealth, and define their legacies. I'm so excited to have you here, Martina. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. I have so many questions for you. And I know before we hit record, I was already kind of giving you the down low on everything I wanted to ask. But, um, you know, just for everyone listening, you know, bookkeeping, accounting, business finances, they're kind of like the number one question I'm asked about. And like I mentioned in the intro, I only know a little bit. Um, And I know that you're the expert. So I really just wanted to have you on to talk all about business finances and kind of help, you know, those just starting out in their business get like a really solid foundation set for what they need to do. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. So would it be okay with you if I just kind of go through my questions and we can just kind of nail them out and so we can kind of move through them quick? That sounds great. Okay. Okay. So the first question that I get all the time and something I'm actually curious about myself is, would you recommend someone that's just starting out in their business? Should they register as a sole proprietor or should they incorporate their business? And, you know, just to follow up on that question, the reason why I am curious about this is because I've seen a lot of chatter online of people saying you shouldn't incorporate till you've hit um, you know, $50,000 of annual revenue or 80000 or or 100000 And I'm not actually sure if there's any merit to that or, you know, if there's one better way over the other. So I'm just really curious, you know, what would you recommend for people just starting out? Yeah, absolutely. It's probably one of the number one questions we get asked from small business owners as well. And, you know, really, um, when, when you think about incorporating your business, you really want to look at a few things. First of all, you want to look at longevity. So how long are you going to be at this? Is this a long-term game? And sometimes that's really hard for a lot of people to, to know from the beginning. They want to um, test things out and make sure that their business is going to be successful before you want to take the leap into um, incorporation. Because you're when you incorporate, you're forming an entirely separate entity um, from yourself. And that entity 
has a lifetime of it <laughs> that you need to now be responsible for it. Um, you can obviously close down an incorporated company, but it's money, time, and energy that you want to make sure is going to be you know, necessary. So when you're first starting out, we definitely recommend that people start out as a sole proprietor um, unless they're, especially for the audience that I'm speaking to today, like as nutritionists and service-based businesses that don't have a lot of overhead costs, won't be having to invest heavily in you know, infrastructure or inventory and that type of thing. Like those are the type of businesses that may have a need to incorporate from the beginning, but a, a service-based business that is, you know, just one individual trying to just make it, you know, make a go at it, you're definitely going to want to start out as just a sole proprietor. Um, and then we really uh, recommend that people consider incorporation when they get to the point where they're success, you know, they're successful enough financially um, where maybe they're making now more money in their business than they need to live their lifestyle. Because mm. what happens there is you not like as a sole proprietor, you're taxed on all of your income. You can't um, shelter it in an incorporated in your incorporation. But if you're incorporated, you know, and you, you're making more in, now than you need to live your lifestyle, then you can just pay yourself through your corporation for the amount that you need to live your lifestyle, you can sort of manage your income at that point then, and therefore keep your taxes lower, keep some of that business in, or sorry, some of the, the money you're making in the incorporation, which pays a lower tax amount. And maybe then you're reinvesting it or you're investing it, um, you know, to grow and use at a later date. So it really becomes about, you know, that's really the point in time when that becomes uh, helpful from a tax perspective. But if you need all of the money that you're making to live your lifestyle, you're going to, and you're incorporated, you're going to have to take it all out of your corporation anyway to pay yourself to mm. live your life. And you're not getting any tax benefit then because um, now you're paying taxes. And this is more complicated and definitely might be kind of hard to understand, but um, essentially you, you're paying it at the corporate level and then you're taking it personally and paying it at the personal level. And therefore you're not benefiting from any of the tax savings that you get from having a corporation. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that actually kind of leads me to another question. Um, you know, if you're sole proprietor, mm -hmm. um, that essentially would mean that because it's like you are the business, then you can just have like a regular bank account for the money coming in your business um, versus like the incorporated model. It's like you are separate from the business. So I'm assuming you would have a separate uh, business bank account. Is that right? Yeah. So as an, so to answer that, yes, as an incorporated business, you have to by law have a separate business bank account that's in the corporation's name and it would be taking, you know, income from your um, clients or customers and, uh, you know, all of everything would be managed in the corporation. And then you would, if you needed money out of your corporation, you would have to pay yourself as either through salary or dividend. That's kind of how you can, two ways you can take money out of your corporation to pay yourself. As a sole proprietor, there's no difference between you and your business from the perspective of tax. But 
we still highly recommend that you have a separate business bank account. It doesn't need to be a business. It doesn't need to necessarily be, especially when you're starting out like a business bank account, you don't have to go open a separate business bank account, but we want you to have a separate checking account. So even if that's underneath your personal, um, online banking and you just open a new checking account and we want all of your income and expenses to be going in and out of there. And the reason is because once you start mixing your personal expenses, let's say uh, you have some part-time income that you're an employee, maybe at another company that you work for part-time, but then you've got some of your own customers and you're billing them and you've got this bank account now that's maybe you even have a spouse that has some income and it's all going into the same account. It doesn't make it any helpful. There's no, it doesn't help at all to be able to do bookkeeping that way. You've got a really messy account. And also, you know, if you were ever asked for from CRA to look at um, anything, if they wanted to audit you, now they're going to be looking at bank account statements that have a whole lot of personal transactions in there that you don't want them to be able to have access to. And you're going to have to be justifying to them what those other deposits are in there. Um, If they relate to, you know, other sources of employment income, you're going to have to now be justifying all of that to them. Whereas if you just keep it clean and separate and all in its own account, it's much cleaner for, for everybody. And especially in that situation. Thank you so much for explaining that. That really definitely paints the picture. And I think, yeah, you know, there's so many things we need to think about as business owners and so many hats we need to wear and, you know, to overcomplicate it for ourselves. That's um, definitely something we shouldn't be doing. So, you know, to have those separate uh, bank accounts, you know, if you're going to go with the sole proprietor route, I think is just going to help you avoid that headache. And I didn't even think about the CRA or, um, you know, if you were audited. So that is such a good point as well. So thank you. (laughs) No problem. Okay. So the next question that I have, and just, you know, just to kind of like give us some understanding of different terms that are used in like business finances. Mm -hmm. um, What's the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant? Sure. So a bookkeeper really is going to help you with categorizing your transactions. So they may take your bank statements and they'll categorize all of your expenses. Um, You know, there are wonderful bookkeepers out there who will also help with tax filings and they'll be able to really look at things um, and give you great guidance. Uh, An accountant, and now it's hard because the, the word accountant in Canada isn't actually regulated like the word lawyer is. Only Mm -hmm. lawyers um, in Canada have to be true lawyers, have to have gone through, you know, the bar, whatever the the criteria that they are to use that word. But accountant, actually anyone can call themselves an accountant in Canada. So that's um, something to just for listeners to be aware of. But uh, um you know, as a chartered professional accountant, which is a CPA, uh, those those letters can only be used by those that have them. And chartered professional accountants will have, you know, generally speaking, more experience in tax. Um, they may be more, um, they may be, you know, looking more at being able to provide you with 
you know, financial statements and insights um, that are a little bit deeper than maybe a traditional bookkeeper out there. So there's also, though, a trend that we're seeing in our industry of um, accounting firms. Some of the more progressive accounting firms are really now offering holistic services. So you used to go get a separate bookkeeper from your um, accountant or your tax preparer, I'd say. But today they're just like Gross CPA. We're, we're a firm that actually does all of it for you. And that's actually the only way we take clients is if you're coming to us and we're doing your bookkeeping, we're helping you with financial coaching, and we're also doing your tax filings for you. Um, and that's just really so nice for the business owner to have one point of contact, um, a lot more frequent contact throughout the year than, you know, a lot of times today, um, you might only talk to your, your tax preparer once a year and mm-hmm. you're just not getting the support and insights that you need as a business owner. And so there's a, a lot of firms, including ours, that are really trying to bridge that gap and, and give business owners a lot more um, support and kind of encompassing all of those services. Yeah. And I know even in your bio, it says that you want to empower entrepreneurs. And I think that kind of goes to the point you're saying where, you know, if there's a bit of um, division and you're only talking to your accountant once a year, you know, are you feeling empowered to make, you know, investment decisions or to put money back into your business or to pay yourself more. So I definitely can see how, like you said, that holistic kind of approach now to having the bookkeeping and accounting support um, makes a lot of sense so that it's kind of like a one-stop shop, you know, service for people with their business finances. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So my next question is when should someone start charging taxes Um, And then part two of that question is like, who are we charging taxes to? Okay. So we're talking about GST, HST in this, in this area. So sales tax. So um, depending on what province you're in, you may be more familiar with GST language or HST, but it is a federal program. And, and what it is, is, you know, the threshold that most business owners need to understand is $30,000. So that's something to keep on your radar, but it is a little bit more nuanced than that. So you need to be looking at, I believe it's the trailing four quarters at any point in time in your business. And if you've um, reached $30,000 in the trailing four quarters, you need to be registering for GST, HST. Oftentimes, as you start approaching that figure, we recommend that business owners call CRA and they can do what's called voluntarily register for it. And you can do that from day one in your business. If you decide, yep, I'm in business for you know, good. I know this is what I want to do. And I want to start charging GST, HST from the beginning. There are some advantages to that. Um, We actually have a course called Solopreneur Tax Academy, where we dive really, really deep into GST, HST, as well as um, income taxes and write-offs and so forth. And you can learn more about some of the benefits of voluntarily registering in there. But essentially, if you decide that you um, want to register, you can do so really at any point in time. It's just, you can't miss <laughs> that $30,000 threshold. So you can't go over that and not have yourself registered. 
Um, so that's really the key just that people, businesses need to be aware of. Okay, perfect. So, okay, I have a few follow-up questions. So you said like yes. the rolling four quarters. So yes. let's say, let's say in from like, let's just use 2022 as an example. So someone starts their business January, 2022. And then okay. in December, 2022, maybe let's say they're at 28,000 that they've made. So they're not yeah. quite at the $30,000 mark yet. But does that mean if in January, 2023, um, they made, let's say they did really, really great that month and made $10,000 and that bumped them to the $38,000 mark. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that that's part of the rolling four quarters? It wouldn't like start fresh again in 20 in like a January scenario? Right. Okay. Yes. So it does not start fresh at the calendar year. And that scenario, what they're looking at, what we need to look at is if they made 10,000 in that Q1 of, sorry, what year did you say there? I know it's confusing. 2023. 2023. Okay. So Q1, 2023, they make $10,000. Now you need to look at the three quarters before that, if they were $10,000 in Q4 of 2022, and then maybe they were just 5,000 in the other one. So we're at a rolling 25,000. And then in that uh, fourth quarter before, which would have been, which puts us to, let's say March 1st to, I think I did that right, to June, June, um, did I do that right? Gym. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, because uh, sorry, sorry, April 1st, April oh, 1st April. to June 30th yeah. of 2022. If they did um, $6,000 in that one, then that puts them at $31,000 for that rolling yes. four quarters, and they need to be registered. Okay, that is yeah. such great advice. So Thank that's how it works. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And then let's say, okay, because most of the people listening are Canadian, and for those that aren't, I'm not sure if we can talk to, you know, some other um, tax, um, you know, things to consider in other countries. Maybe we can talk about that for a second after. But for those in Canada, like who are they charging taxes to? Like, is this if they have a client in Canada, do they charge just Canadians? If they have a client, let's say in Europe, are they also charging tax to the European? How does that work? Sure. So uh, for services, it's different for if you're selling services or goods. So that's CRA defines in the, in sales tax, there's really, you kind of need to know, are you selling services or goods, but for, you know, nutritionists or the type of business owner that would be listening, you know, majority of them are going to be in services. So you're offering, um, your expertise, etc. cetera. Uh, so, and you're located in Canada and your customer is located in Canada, you need to be looking at what province your customer is located in. And this is called place of supply rule. And the place of supply rule determines what rate you charge. So essentially, it doesn't matter where you're located. What matters is where your customer is located. And that determines the rate. And it's based on the provincial rate of GST, HST for where your customer is. If you are now um, servicing a customer that is outside of Canada, in most cases, and I'm not, I don't want anyone to quote me on this, but in most cases, the service becomes zero rated. And what that means is you don't charge any tax. Mm. Now, the most important thing that I can offer is always, always, always get your customer's address and Mm -hmm. document it. 
it's such a nitty gritty little thing to have to get an address from somebody. But in the event of an audit, that's the number one thing that CRA is going to be looking for in order to determine whether or not you charged the right rate of tax. Okay. Great, great advice. So would that mean just to kind of like, I love like doing kind of scenarios and painting the picture for everyone just so they like can see it crystal clear. So if, okay, for example, I live in British Columbia and here our um, GST is 5%. And then um, I believe you live in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because Ontario has HST, it's 13%. So let's say I was charging you for a service that I was giving to you, maybe I was doing nutrition consulting for you, I would be charging you 13% tax on the cost of the service. Is that correct? Yep, you got it. Okay, and then vice versa, if you were, if I was purchasing something from you, it would be, uh, you would charge me 5%. That's correct. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Makes it a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. And kind of going back to what I said before, um, you know, it's obviously going to look different, uh, like, business finance wise for Canadians versus Americans versus people, you yeah. know, internationally. Um, so do you have any advice for those in the States or is it, you know, every single state is like a different um, tax requirement? Yeah. So uh, the States are governed by the IRS and we're governed by CRA and as CPAs, sorry, lots of acronyms here, <laughs> but as CPAs, we're not trained in IRS tax laws at all. So I really have no guidance for your U.S. listeners, unfortunately. You know what? That's okay. I can find someone else to come on to talk about <laughs> that because it's good. It's We stay in our lane and we know what we know. So yeah. I, I appreciate you um, being uh, transparent about that. Ready to start your nutrition business but have no idea what steps you need to take? No problem. That's exactly why I've created a completely free workshop for you called Six Steps to Start Your Nutrition Biz and Sign Your First Paying Clients. In this on-demand workshop, I'm sharing my six-step roadmap to starting a successful nutrition business without a huge social media following or years of experience. I'll also share the top three mistakes I see most new nutritionists making when starting their business and how to avoid them, and the must-have tools you need to run a successful nutrition business and wow your clients from day one. Oh, and did I mention that the workshop is completely free? Sign up at stephanielong.ca slash workshop and get instant access right now. The next thing kind of going off that question is, you know, how much should we be putting aside for taxes each year? And I guess this is like a double edge question because, you know, obviously there's like the ta- like the GST, HST that we've charged to the client right. and, and putting that aside. But then I know also just from doing my own business taxes that um, I do have to pay like my own income tax, I believe. I'm not 100% versed on all the terms, but you sure. know, I'm also paying a percentage at the end of the year um, for my personal income tax. So can you kind of explain the two differences and like some guidelines of what people should be considering to put aside? For sure. Yeah. So for GST, HST, like we just talked about, yeah, that is um, something that you charge on your invoices, but it doesn't belong to you. And actually, that's exactly how CRA looks at sales tax. So uh, it's like a commodity tax, a flow through tax. As soon as you charge it to your customer, um, 
treat it not as your own. <laughs> so set mm-hmm. it aside and save it. So, um, you know, that 13% or whatever it is, 5%, have another separate bank account and move it in there once a month um, to save for that bill that you're going to have due depending on the frequency at which you're paying for your GST, HST. Mm-hmm. For income tax, uh, this is where there's no set rate that's really easy to to different to distinguish or to to give guidance on. But I can explain how the tax system works, and that will really help. Um, so, uh, we're, we in Canada we have a tiered tax system. So it's based on the amount of money overall that you make, but as you and it's different by province. So there's a federal component to income tax, and then there's an, um, a provincial component to income tax. And, you know, Ontario is one of the most expensive provinces. I think BC's up there. Alberta is probably the cheapest in terms of income taxes. So it, it's definitely hard to provide um, a range. But And essentially, as you step up, I think the first bracket, you know, maybe is a, takes you to 20000 I, I don't have it it's all different by province but then it steps up at you know 40,000 60,000 etc it kind of goes up um, scales upward and um, and so really the best thing to do is to try to estimate how much money you're going to make for the year and then there there's online calculators that you can find um, and you can just Google it and you can, uh, you know, put in the amount of money that you think you're going to make. And it will estimate how much tax based on the province. Um, and you can then from there start to save towards that goal. Uh, another alternative is if you have been in business already for a while, you can look at what you owed last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think you're going to, your income's going to grow, then maybe layer on some growth. If it's going to stay pretty consistent, that will be a very good guide for what you need to save um, this year for towards your taxes. Um, and the last thing I will add there is CPP. So CPP is a Canadian pension plan. And it's something that a lot of small business owners don't really take into account. But when you're an employee, you you pay into CPP and EI. People may may or not may not be familiar with that. As a self-employed individual, you only pay into CPP, but you actually have to pay double the amount mm-hmm. that an employee pays. And I think for the 2021 tax year, it's about 10 and a half percent of your income for the first sixty-one thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So it's a big chunk of money that uh, really surprises a lot of business owners. Um, you know, in their first years of self-employment. So definitely something for your listeners to be aware of and to, you know, look more into if it's something they've they've not heard of and um, just be prepared for that. It it does surprise a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it's also best practice, you know, and I only know this because I didn't do this for the first couple of years of my business, but, you know, being really diligent to even just like start by putting a little bit aside, you know, each month when you're making some money, put a little bit of money aside. And even if at the end of the year, I'm curious if you would agree with this, Martina, but even at the end of the year, if maybe you put more money in than you needed, 
to pay off your income tax or to, to go towards that CPP contribution. Um, that's just money in your pocket at the end of the day. But it feels worse to not put anything aside and then be hit with this big bill and not know where you're going to get that money from. So that's something I've definitely learned myself. Yeah, that's such a win. <laughs> yes, if you find yourself in that situation, definitely celebrate. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I will keep going. I, I have so many things I could ask you, but I want to <laughs> respect your time, but um, definitely want to get to some of these key questions. So the next one okay. was, um, what are some common write-offs? You know, speaking of, you know, having this like, you know, going up in income and then making more money and potentially paying more money, um, there's this whole world of, you know, write-offs. And mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody has seen that meme of uh, what Shit's Creek where um, yes. is a David being like, oh, it's a write-off. You can just buy anything. Yes. Um, so can we talk about write-offs? What are they? What are yeah. some common ones we could think of? And, um, you know, what do they actually do for our business? For sure. So a write-off, a magical write-off is really just an expense of your business. So an expense of doing business. And um, unlike the meme, <laughs> the CRA doesn't pay you back for write-offs. What happens is you deduct the write-off or subtract the write-off against your income that you earned. So then you take, so you've got your total revenue and then all of your expenses are your write-offs. And then you've got your, the net of those. So revenue minus expenses is your net income and that's what you pay taxes on. So it helps to reduce uh your income that you're going to report and have to pay taxes on. Um, you do report your revenue and then all of your expenses. So you just don't, you don't just report the net. You have to, sh you have to disclose all of those figures to CRA on your tax return. But what you end, what taxes end up getting calculated on is the net of that. Hmm. So um, that's essentially what a write-off is. And some of the key write-offs, I mean, I know we're talking to service-based businesses nowadays. A lot of us are building our businesses from home. You know, all of those apps that we pay, have to pay for to build our business, to streamline our processes, to have Zoom calls with our clients, all of those apps are a write-off. Mm -hmm. um, so they can be deducted against your revenue. Um, those are key ones that a lot of people don't think about, especially if you're sort of in the phase of transitioning from like just starting your business. You might not, um, you might forget about some of those in the early days, but those are some key write-offs. Um, gosh, let's see. I think there's like or ones that I always think of are um, like transportation or gas. Yeah. Would that be, is that only if you have like an in-person business? Yeah. So there's two um, items. There's your, there's your vehicle, personal, so uh, business use of your personal vehicle. And then there's the business use of your home office, which are two awesome write-offs that a lot of business owners don't take full advantage of. And um, they do require some, you know, some due diligence, some care for keeping good records, but they're awesome write-offs because oftentimes, you know, we have to, um, we, we have a home, we have all of our home expenses. And if you do it properly, you can actually write off a portion of your home office. If you have a home office and you qualify for the home office deduction, then you get to actually deduct a portion of that against your income. Um, 
even though it's expenses you would pay for anyway. And similarly Mm. with vehicle, I mean, vehicle might be a little bit different because those trips that you're taking, you have to have um, a a good mileage log, good records of trips that you're taking for business purposes, but then you get to write off a portion of your vehicle. So things like a portion of your gas, a portion of repairs and maintenance on your vehicle. If you have financing charges, a portion of the interest that you pay towards your finance charges um, for your vehicle, all of that, you can actually claim a portion on your taxes and, and reduce your reduce your net income that you're going to pay taxes on. So those are two awesome write-offs. Rent is another one. If you have an external office that you pay rent for, um, bank charges are oftentimes overlooked. If you do have a dedicated business bank that incurs fees, those are write-offs. Um, advertising, mm-hmm. um, meals and entertainment, but that's only at 50%. You can write those off. There's some nuances like that. Um, and that needs to have a business purpose. So you're taking out a client or a customer for, for lunch, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. What about Um, something like your um, Solopreneur Tax Academy, that program, or I have like my Launch Your Nutrition Biz online program, like would kind of like personal or business development courses um, also be a write-off? Yeah, for sure. In most cases, you do need to kind of have a good business rationale for them so that we, you know, an example would be if you are in the business of um, painting and then you take your nutrition course, that probably wouldn't be a write-off because there's mm. a painter doesn't need a nutrition course in order to improve his skills or, uh, you know, <laughs> make more money in his business. So um, it's, it's not a black or white answer, but definitely CRA does allow for those types of programs to be um, deducted. Definitely Solopreneur Tax Academy for anyone that is a business owner and takes that course. They're obviously you know, improving upon a skill, learning a new skill, and it is business related. So for sure. And someone who hires you, who's going to launch a nutrition program or sorry, a nutrition business and takes your program in order to help them do so faster, make more money, et cetera. Like there is a a valid business reason there. And so um, those are write-offs. Oh, perfect. And yeah, I think it's just, like you said, use your discretion, look into it and, and also know that, Um, I think, you know, as you kind of mentioned with, I think the meals, you know, 50% write off, it's not like you buy a a program and you get a hundred percent write off or you buy, even I know a computer that was one I really had to learn about. I was like, Oh, I'll just buy a new computer and it's a write off. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't believe it's a hundred percent write off. Is that right? Yeah. So what you're talking about is capital assets. So those are things that have a useful life of more than a year and, uh, computers, furniture, like a printer, um, equipment. So I don't know, uh, like maybe a nutritionist, if they're setting up, um, an office and they need a fridge and Mm -hmm. some, some, maybe a stove or some, something like that, those would be capital assets and you get to, uh, write off a portion of them each year. So you actually assign them to an asset class. And then that asset class has um, an assigned amount, like a percentage that you can deduct each year. So I think, for example, furniture and equipment, um, 
is 20 is a 20% asset class. So if you pay $1,000 for something, you know, in the first year, you're, you're able to um, deduct 20% of it. So you get to benefit from the, the write off for a number of years, but you the, the cash, the amount of cash you have to pay to buy that mm. all comes out in one year and you don't actually get to benefit from the write-off fully in the year that the cash goes out. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so basically like the reason write-offs are like important is that it's just helping to bring down that income that you've made. So if, let's say you make $100,000 and let's say your write-offs are $40,000, does that mean that your income actually looks like $60,000? Yeah, your net income that you're paying tax on is just $60,000 in that scenario, yep. Okay, and then I guess this kind of leads into another question, um, one that I was going to ask a bit later, but might as well ask it now, is, you know, when we're talking about all of these, like, nuances around what you can use as a write-off, or did you call it capital asset? Is that the other term? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of this, I kind of understand because I've been in business a long time, but for those of us just starting out, this can all sound like gibberish and we don't understand Mm -hmm. any of it. So, you know, is it kind of best practice to start working with a bookkeeper or an accountant right away? Or do you recommend people just like go ahead and do their own taxes? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. It really is a a comfort level. Um, the, there, you know, a lot of business owners start off doing their own bookkeeping. And I'm not sure actually the rate, it would be a great to pull your audience yeah, <laughs> in terms yeah. of how many actually do their own taxes. I, I think, I think traditionally you might see people do their own bookkeeping and then um, hire a tax preparer. Mm. That's probably the, the most common model. Um, but with products like TurboTax and TurboTax Live and a lot of software coming out, um, more people I think are moving towards doing their own taxes too. So it's really, you know, there's options out there and, you know, not to sort of um, talk about Solopreneur Tax Academy so much, but that's really one of the reasons why we decided to create this product because we saw that there was such a need for business owners to actually have the education and the understanding and not just rely on other people to Mm. make sure that they're doing things correctly. Um, At the end of the day, when it comes to your taxes, even if you are using a bookkeeper and a tax preparer, the, the tax liability still remains on the business owner. And if CRA comes back and you were doing something wrong, you don't, you unfortunately don't get to say, well, I hired somebody to do it. So, you know, can you please um, deal with them? It, yeah. it really, the, you know, if you owe more money because you've did, done, done something incorrectly or, you know, heaven forbid something worse, you, you get into a big, big audit and a lot of incorrect things were uncovered, like the liability falls on the business owner at the end of the day. So we really want to encourage business owners to, um, and empower them to educate themselves to get just the foundational knowledge, like a lot of the things we've been talking about today, so that whether they decide to DIY or hire, that decision becomes more now a decision about, you know, 
um, enjoyment? Do they enjoy it? Do they have mm. time for it? Um, and not just, uh, I don't understand it, so I'm going to get it done by somebody else. We want business owners to understand it, mm. ask the right questions, even if they're using an outsourced bookkeeper or tax preparer, and make sure that they are kind of advocating for themselves and asking those questions and understanding and making the right decisions um, and not leaving those decisions to somebody else. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. I think, again, just going back to that empowerment piece, you know, whether you go and have somebody else do this for you or you do it yourself, it's nice to have the full picture, right? And understand why you're doing something Mm -hmm. or, you know, why it's important to uh, track your finances. Um, So yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. The last question that I have is just if you can share um, some kind of like uh, best practices for bookkeeping, like what should you be tracking? How often should you be tracking? Just anything that you kind of would like bestow onto people just getting started with their bookkeeping. For sure. Okay. So first of all, like I talked about earlier, making sure you have that separate bank account and to take it a step further, having a, a, a tax saving one as well. So Starting out from day one, two separate accounts. One is a checking account that you're going to put all of your income into, pay some of your expenses. You know, maybe you have a separate credit card as well. That can be just another personal credit card, but you're only going to put business expenses on it so that when you look at a statement, everything on it is related to your business. So a little bit of housekeeping uh, that will be required in the beginning if people listening are not already doing this, but that's definitely step one. Step two is to start tracking those income and expenses. You can use just a simple spreadsheet or you can go to some of the bookkeeping software out there, such as QuickBooks. We really like QuickBooks. Unfortunately, the prices are have just gone up and, and they're, they, it is quite expensive for, you know, a really small business, but, um, that is a product we really love. And wave is a free product, Mm -hmm. a free bookkeeping product. I don't have much experience with it, but it's definitely, um, from a price perspective going to be nice for, for those smaller businesses. Um, uh, but yeah, a simple spreadsheet and what you're going to do it, is you're going to take your bank statements, your credit card statements every month, um, and you're going to keep your receipts too. So that's really important. You can do your bookkeeping either from, you know, looking at your bank statements and entering those transactions or from looking at receipts and entering those receipts. Mm -hmm. But you need to keep those receipts regardless of how you decide to set up your bookkeeping. Um, And the reason you need your receipts is because, again, CRA in the event of an audit, they require um, that every business owner has a receipt for every transaction in their business. It seems, you know, crazy. We already have enough responsibilities and, (laughs) and, you know, things we have to keep track of as business owners. But what we recommend is that like, if you're out on the go gathering receipts, maybe you build up your tank with gas and you're going to take advantage of the, um, business use of vehicle right off you're going to want to keep that gas receipt so maybe you keep a separate little pouch in your car that you put only business receipts in Mm -hmm. and then you bring it into your house once a month and you file it or you make a digital record of it then you're going to open up your 
bookkeeping software program, whatever it is you're using, and you're going to enter all of your income and expenses for the month. And you're going to have a nice little routine that you do like that every single month. And if we can add one more thing to this mm -hmm. process, it is um, every single month or, or maybe even automating um, a tax savings transfer to that tax savings account. And so that would be kind of the, the key pieces that um, we would love to see all business owners doing for their bookkeeping Perfect. And just to um, kind of get a bit of clarification around the tax savings, is that just like what would be the purpose of somebody doing that? And like what money would they be transferring like from the checkings to the tax savings or what would they be putting in there? Yeah, exactly. So maybe you've done your bookkeeping for the month and you say, I made, you know, you find out you made $5,000 for that month. And maybe that was more than you had originally estimated. So um you might want to, you know, do a new calculation or do a new estimate to say, okay, I think I should be saving more tax for that month. So you, out of that $5,000 of profit, you're going to, let's say you decide it's 25% is your tax savings rate. So you're going to take that um, $1,000 and you're going to put it, or sorry, that would be 20%. You're going to take that <laughs> amount and you're going to move it to your uh, savings account. Okay, this was amazing. I feel like I learned a ton and I hope everybody listening just has like way more clarity. I think, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, business finances can feel so intimidating and so confusing. And I think you broke it down so nicely and definitely kind of went with your mission statement there to empower entrepreneurs. So thank you so much for doing that for my community. And just to kind of leave things off, I know you have a few um, programs and freebies that you'd love to talk about. So yeah, just feel free to share those right now with the community. Sure. Amazing. Okay. So yeah. So um, if, if you head on to our website, www growcpa.ca. We've got lots of resources there for Canadian entrepreneurs. So we have um, a new free resource called Win Tax Season, and it has, you know, key due dates for income taxes. Um, it has the write-offs. It's a pretty comprehensive mm -hmm. list of write-offs on, on there. Um, it's also got a uh, the top five things to have for your taxes to be ready. So it's kind of gives you a list of things that you need to get ready. A lot of the stuff we talked about um, today. We've also got um, uh, a new product out called My Digital Bookkeeper. And it's a really beautifully designed spreadsheet that is um, helping business owners DIY their bookkeeping mm -hmm. and there's some video tutorials in there that explain how to use it um, and it's on sale for the month of January so go check that one out and then the final one our our signature course is Soulpreneur Tax Academy um, we are launching cohort four so we've been doing this now for over a year and a half and we've put um, almost 100 business owners through that program it's an amazing wow. program and it is um it is a course that teaches business owners everything they need to know about um, understanding their tax obligations as a sole proprietor and everything from GST, HST to income taxes. And then there's a six-week Slack component as well where you get to ask myself and Ashley, we're both chartered professional accountants, your questions, and we answer them. And it's 
it's a great program. So that's another one that if people want to kind of, um, really get the full gamut that that's going to give it to them. So those are the ways that, um, your community can check us out. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. Those all sound like really good resources and, um, I'll definitely put those in the show notes. If anyone wants to check those out, um, highly recommend downloading that freebie. It sounds really awesome to even get that list of write-offs. I think, um, that it makes sense to go and download it. So thanks again for, um, all of your knowledge today. Thank you for supporting the community and sharing and, um, yeah, hope to have you on again soon to maybe talk something else, business finances, maybe, um, business finances, uh, point two. Yeah. We can talk about understanding how to read your profit and loss reports. And actually there's yeah tons of stuff we could talk about even, um, receivables, payables. It, it never ends. Yeah. yeah. And we love it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Martina. It's been awesome to have you on. Yeah. Thanks Steph. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.